Hello, everybody, and welcome to the August 5th, 2020 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I am your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Ephraim Josine. And, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say, uh, you know, I was prepared for Steve King to lose. I knew Jeff Sessions was going to lose. And I also knew Chris Kobach was going to lose because it was obvious. Yes, we live in another case of America first, place second. With Chris Kobach losing his Senate primary to America last candidate, according to him at least. Uh, what's the guy's name? Marshall. Roger Marshall. Huh. Wonder if he'll make the Marshall plan. And let me just tell you, this was one of the people that America First uh, had been absolutely supporting nonstop. And I could read to you what Andrew Anglin from the Daily Stormer had to say about this. And I will, because it's really funny. But I just want to say, he's not the only one. We're going to get into a few more of those in a minute. Uh, who really, really, really thought Chris Kobach was going to win. At first, here is your token Nazi quote. <clears throat> we need some kind of system to stop this from happening. The primaries are absolutely where the Jews for all of their money. Oh, man, you, you got us there. You got them there, Andrew. They set it up so it doesn't matter who wins the actual election because they made sure to get both of their guys in the main race. Yes, uh, all those Jews in Kansas. Isn't Kansas, like, 80% Jewish? Seriously. <laughs> I like this idea. All those Jews in Kansas are just coming out to make sure Chris Kovac lost. Sorry. Can anything happen that doesn't go Andrew Anglin's way? He's not just going to immediately blame the Jews. I swear to God, if he stubs his toe, it's the fault of the Jews for... I don't know, building that table in the first place. And I know that's the case with all neo-Nazis. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Andrew Anglin is not a neo-Nazi. In fact, he got into a very long online Twitter battle with neo-Nazis. Not Twitter battle, an online battle with neo-Nazis. Early in 20... <laughs> the Daily Stormer. I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. If you can stand the... A harsh language and have an ad blocker, I would actually recommend checking out the Daily Stormer. If only because, in fact, only because it is honestly so funny to see one guy's continued meltdown. I am convinced that the Daily Stormer is just Andrew Anglin having one giant midlife crisis. Okay? That's, that is, in my opinion, completely provable. Uh, anyway, here is what uh, happened when Zoomer Clips, who, if you don't know, is another bigger Twitter user, posted the results and posted, I, I guess, a, a Doomer with no eyes. Don't know what happened to his eyes. Uh, they say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I think this guy was holding bees, and his eye is only considered beautiful because said bees stung every other part of his body, including his eyes, mind you, but since we can't see them, we assume that they were previously beautiful. I stole that joke from Planet Sheen, and you're going to respect that fact. 
Uh, deplorable to Amnesty Snake on Jalathil. No idea what the heck. That's a long name. Does Twitter even allow names that long? Apparently. Said, did the Jew CIA globalists and their homosexual Republicans and Democrat server cable tinker with the voting machines? Does Kansas even use voting machines? I don't think they do. Uh, <laughs> I like that, by the way. <laughs> you have to specifically make sure to include the religion and sexual orientation of people rigging the election. Rigging an election is fine by itself, of course. Pete D'Acosta has admitted that. Uh, he also calls other people losers, despite the fact that the only thing he'll ever win is a participation trophy. <laughs> but if you dare do it while also being a gay Jew, that, that very large subset of the population. And when I read throughout history, I see the Jews and the gays getting along perfectly perfectly. Uh, then, you know what? Yeah, that's the issue. Uh, giving Hamilton and Lindstrom the votes that Kobach got. Uh, no, that didn't happen. Uh, sorry, buddy. Uh, anyone else? Just, no, okay, nothing much else. And let's read the replies. I'm actually curious what uh, the replies. I haven't read a lot of these yet. Hmm. Uh, this guy said, Kobach got a substantive number of votes. Important thing now is figure out how to turn that into momentum. Hasn't that been what you were supposed to do after Donald was elected? Were you supposed to do that four years ago? Look at where you are. Look at where... It's hilarious. It is absolutely hilarious. Uh, John Buck says, I've already lost faith in political response. Oh, yeah, you're going to lose it about eight more times because that's how these people work. They lose one thing and they go into humor mode for about two days and they come back out of it because, honest to God, it's also tiresome. That's what's happening. That is what we are seeing more and more and more right now. Uh, this is what always ends up happening. Honestly, it always ends up being some America first candidate gets second place and all of these people lose it. I wish they lost their thing. And just went off and isolated themselves, locked themselves in the room and watched Godzilla movies. Because then I'd have to, because then I could stop covering their candidates. Um, but anyway, yeah, they're very angry. Peter Thiel's personal Kansas bro loss, uh, which is absolutely hilarious for a variety of reasons. Here is the point I want to make, though. Besides the fact that Chris Kobach is a giant loser. Uh, hence why I nicknamed him Losing Loser Chris Kobach before this race. Because remember, he lost the Kansas gubernatorial race that he was convicted of committing voter suppression in. He didn't lose it after they convicted him, by the way. He lost it before that. I'm not joking. Because Chris Kobach is a special, special kind of stupid. Um... But no, this is their third loss this summer. They lost with Steve King, and I didn't even expect that, by the way. I really didn't. I expected King to maybe lose in November, but I didn't expect him to leave. I didn't expect former Ambassador of Terror, 
as Steve King to leave Congress. I really didn't. I expected him to retire five years from that. I expected him to launch a presidential run in 2024, truth be told. And he still might. He still might, actually. Um, however, let's see. We have... Then, they lost Jeff Sessions, the Trumper who Trump hated. Now, they lost with Kovac. And the funny thing is, no matter how often they keep losing, they can't wrap the idea in their head that people just don't like their ideology. You know, I used, I first coined the term unpopular populist to refer to Maxim Berner, who, if you don't know, is the leader of the People Party of Canada. And he was doing this whole thing on Twitter where, oh my God, we're going to, he was a former conservative MP who then left the party and basically just ran on a Trump platform. He was doing this whole thing on Twitter of, I'm going to beat the conservative MPs. We're going to take over. We may not get prime ministership, but you know what? We're going to win at least something. Well, they, he had one seat before the 2019, I think it was 2019, yeah, it was 2019 Canada parliamentary election. And that was him. After that, he had no seats. He lost his only seat. And he was like, we had a disappointing outcome. Your whole ideology was destroyed. And then apply the term to Jeremy Corbyn in the UK, the leader of the Labour Party, who had been also doing the For the People shtick. Um, and then lost spectacularly in 2020. I think it was, was this one in 20? Yeah, it was in 2020. No, 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 it was in 2019 as well. It was in 2019 as well. It doesn't matter exactly when. And then I applied to Bernie Sanders and tons of other people. And Shank Uger's another one. And there are so many unpopular populists that it makes you wonder how you can even call yourself a populist when this many people hate you. It comes back to one of my old rules. The people who most loudly scream there for the people are the ones who are also repeatedly told to shut the hell up. Anyway, uh, here's some just kind of silly news from CNN. Ice cream made with liquor is now legal in New York. Because sure, why not? And I don't think you should be dismissive about that, personally. I mean, hey, it's a product people want. They have the right to have it. People are probably going to make something like that anyway. I mean, you can make, you can deep fry ice cream. The amount of things you can do with ice cream is actually amazing. Sure, why not try to make it out of alcohol? I mean, at this point, why not? If it's adults consuming it, okay. A little weird, but okay. Uh, the people love ice cream. The people also love liquor. And so, by the power invested in Governor Andrew Cuomo, who apparently had nothing else going on at the moment, uh, by the way, by the state of New York, liquor-infused ice cream is now legal in the Empire State. The governor signed legislation Monday authorizing the manufacturing and sale of liquor-infused frozen desserts. The measure is intended to help the state's dairy workers, liquor producers, restaurants, and retailers meet an increasing consumer demand for alcohol ice cream. That's an increasing demand! <laughs> oh no, Andrew, I don't think that's a good thing. 
<laughs> Andrew Como is one of the first people to brag about how many people became alcoholics while he was governor. <laughs> yes, I am laughing hysterically at this, as, as I should be, because this is really funny. Uh, <laughs> ice cream containing wine, beer, or hard cider was already legal in the state, Rainbow Dash approves. The craft beverage industry has experienced explosive growth in New York, and with that comes a responsibility to advance regulation that helps ensure long-term viability, protect consumers, and provide farmers with the opportunity to increase their business, Como said in a statement. Uh, the legislation will further grow a boringing, a boringing industry and boost small businesses while helping. Are you gonna let them reopen? <laughs> to let while letting helping to put in the path to sustain growth that empowers both producers and consumers. Yeah, you know what? Andrew Como's totally right on this. He is. He is. If you are above the drinking age, yeah, you should be able to consume alcohol however it is you want. I don't particularly see an issue with this. I mean, should I? No, I, I really shouldn't. What kind of system... Is so fun, especially because the fact that this is even a concept is so, and you know the excuse was, well, kids might see ice cream and think this, that it's uh, non-alcoholic ice cream. Well, it's actually alcoholic ice cream. It's the same excuse they started doing with vaping. That, oh man, they have fruit in them. Uh, wine is literally fermented grapes, by the way. Just, just wanted you guys to know that. But that's okay, because we've all grown accustomed to it. And by the way, um, I should note, if you look at the statistics, alcohol is actually the most dangerous drug, the drug that causes the most deaths, the drug that causes the most abuse, and yet that's perfectly legal. Uh, but any other drug, no, no, sorry. Can't do that. Can't do that, buddy. Uh, <laughs> you should have been drinking like a real man. Anyway, uh, but no, the point is... You know, that's the excuse. And if that's the case, if that is really your best argument, isn't that what the parents are there for? To make sure your kid doesn't accidentally swallow a bunch of alcohol and die? Um, yeah, if you have kids, you might not want to purchase this. I'm sorry. You might not. And you know what? That's the case with a lot of things. You make kids, you got kids, you gotta make sacrifices for them. Okay? We used to understand it as a society, now we do that less and less. We understand that less and less, and instead just ask the government to ban things, because we can't be bothered to be actual parents. If we look at them too much, they'll, we'll be helicopter parents. Helicopter parenting, slowly gone from what it actually is supposed to be, which is a parent who watches their kids 24-7, to a kid, to a parent who watches their kids for like, one one. Okay? That at that point is how loosely defined helicopter parenting has become. I remember I once had a woman tell me that she didn't want to be a helicopter parent um to stop her kids from looking at pornography and that's why she wanted government to ban it. Which by the way would just be turning government into the very same monster you want it to be, or you don't want to be. But that's okay because 
After all, one of them is Josh Holly, and you kind of like him. Uh, <laughs> and then I'm just sitting there thinking, how is that? What? Oh, man, I would have stopped my kid from murdering. I didn't want to be a helicopter parent, though. The term has just become so abused. There was a Steven Universe episode called Nightmare Hospital that was supposed to address that topic. And the stand-in for what the parents would not let the child do is go fight in an intergalactic war. I'm not joking. I'm seriously not. Um, because we've gotten to this point as a society where parents actually doing their job is seen as a rarity. Okay? And I say this from somebody whose parents were very lenient, were very liberal on a lot of things. I do not want a return of the actual definition of helicopter parenting. I do, however, at the very least, at the very least, want, and I have promoted things like the free-range kids idea. You guys remember that? That was, I saw that on Stassel several years ago. That is libertarianism working in action, by the way. That is libertarianism in action. Uh. But I, at the very least, expect you to have some understanding of how to act as a parent. I at least expect you to guide your children and make sure they don't make horrible, 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 horrible mistakes. Okay, that's it. That's the only thing I really expect from you as a parent. That, that's the only thing. That's it. Nothing else. Aren't I nice like that? Aren't I generous like that? I know. It's it's amazing how nice I am. Um, and now, and instead, what they always want is they want it to be banned for everyone. Because theoretically, a kid might take a hold of it and, I don't know, kill himself. Of course, kids could also stick a fork in an electrical socket. We don't call for banning forks or electrical sockets. We don't call for banning metal forks, at least. Uh, we've called for banning plastic straws, but I thought that was because of uh, pollution. And no, this is, what I'm getting at is this is a good move. Although I wish Andrew Como was not focusing on this, um, and instead focusing on the people who died because of him during the COVID-19 pandemic or ending the lockdown that doesn't actually work. Or reforming the police and stop acting like he's Nelson Rockefeller. But do you know what? This is good. I, I agree with this. I completely support this. Anyway, uh, Joe Biden is another controversy. It's another one-off. Well, if Donald Trump said this, it would be seen as racist. Therefore, it only makes sense to call him racist. Despite the fact we also don't believe that Donald Trump will be racist if he said this uh, statements, which is basically the vast majority of Biden controversies. He said the following to someone from Yahoo News. Just watch. Have you taken a cognitive? No, test? I haven't taken a test. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying you before you got in this program, if you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not. What do you think? Huh? Are you a junkie? What do you say to President Trump, who brags about his test and makes your mental state an issue for voters? Well, 
If he can't figure out the difference between an elephant and a lion, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Did you watch that? Look, come on, man. I, I, I know you're trying to goad me, but I mean, I'm so forward looking to have an opportunity to sit with the president or stand with the president in debates. There can be plenty of time. And by the way, as I joke with him, you know, I, I shouldn't say it. I'm going to say something I don't I, I probably shouldn't say. Anyway, I am uh, I am very willing to let the American public judge my physical mental fil- my physical as well as my mental fil- fitness. Uh, I should note that the fact that he stuttered mildly on the word fitness was also a joke. Um, as if nobody here has ever stuttered on a word. But as for the statement itself, a lot of people are saying this is more evidence Joe Biden is a racist. Because he said that, because he told a black reporter, he asked a black reporter if they made him take a cocaine test. But yeah, that's kind of the point. The point is the stereotype based on little to no evidence. It's a stereotype of Joe Biden because he occasionally stutters and is old, does not have the mental ability to be president of the United States. It's also a stereotype that black people do a large amount of drugs. Okay. Now, they aren't the same stereotypes, and these stereotypes have had vastly different consequences. But are you really going to tell me, when we had the George Floyd body cam footage leaked yesterday, and the number one response was, well, he was on drugs, so he basically deserved everything. That honestly, you are, that honestly, nobody sits there and thinks, well, black people are the only people to do drugs. You're really expecting me to believe that? Really? You're stupid. There's no way around it. You're stupid at that point. Um, but as for the comparison itself, there are also people just calling it ridiculous, which I can see. I can see. His point is that it's not only irrelevant, but it's pointless and kind of idiotic. Okay? Like making a news reporter take a drug test when the reporter's probably not on drugs. We know that. He has a whole history of not being on drugs. Biden has a history of serving in government. And there he's had some gaps here and there. Don't get me wrong. But none to the same level that would make him mentally unfit to be president. Okay, and by the way, the idea that Biden is mentally unfit to be president, what does that even mean? How do you define fit to be president? And of course, then there's the fact that tons of people are saying that Donald Trump was unfit to be president. Uh, and he was equally as gaff prone. And for that matter, he was equally as old. Donald Trump's also an old man. 2020 is two old white men. After our last three elections, we're nominated a black guy twice and one woman. That's where we are as a country. Hashtag we live in a society. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, the point that I am making is, yeah, this was a stupid response. It's kind of supposed to be. Okay, if you're seriously mad at the response, congratulations. You missed the point. Like, here's the point. You can't see where I'm pointing, but it's the far edge of 
where my hands can go. I'm moving my right hand all the way up against the wall. Here's the, here is you. You're on the complete opposite side. You're as far as my hands can stretch. Okay? That's, congratulations. You don't know much of anything, do you? Uh. <laughs> anyway, some of my viewers may be wondering why I haven't talked about the Joe Biden skipping debates controversy. The primary reason for that is because I don't think it's going to happen. I genuinely don't. I don't think Joe Biden is going to skip the presidential debates. And I think that if the Trump campaign keeps arguing that, it's going to, if, only, if anything, hurt them. And I wasn't going to really explain as to why, because I didn't quite know how to phrase it. And then I saw Howard Kurtz say this today on Fox News. And, well, he put it actually really well. So here's the clip. It's a little bit of a long clip. It's about two minutes in full. Here's him talking about it with some guy on Fox News who looks a disturbing amount like Macatees. Dr. Jill Biden confirming her husband Joe Biden will face off in three debates with President Trump. President Trump says he's also ready. Fox News media analyst and host of Media Buzz Howie Kurtz is here with more. So Howie, you have the candidate's wife, you have everybody and their brother saying, look, the, the debates are on. And why do you have some liberal media saying, well, maybe Biden skips the debates because they're, you know, they're really not worth it. I think the debates will happen, but there is a growing movement in left-wing media circles that Biden should just skip them because they say either um, it's too risky, President Trump won't play fair, or, and this is a perennial complaint, debates are just too superficial and scripted. Now, this is sheer hypocrisy. Many of these people, their heads would have exploded if Donald Trump had blown off the debates in 2016, and it would be a terrible idea for Biden, who would be passing up a prime opportunity to convince the country he's up to the job. Yeah, and, and I want to play President Trump because he was talking about the debates this morning on Fox and Friends, and he said this. Listen, Howie. Why are they putting the first debate so late? The first debate should be before the first, at least before the first ballots go out, and they have it a month later, almost a month later. It's ridiculous. Yeah, September 29th but in Ohio. Regardless what it is, I'm ready to debate. I don't care. Do I hear he wants to get out, but, but he has, in all fairness to him, he has not said that. He's ready to debate. So, so what does the media have to gain here, Howie, by saying, by, by putting up this thing where, aren't they curious that maybe Joe Biden should get out there, debate, and, and show us what he's got? Well, first of all, the timing of the debate, first debate in late September is not that late by historical standards. Uh, obviously, with early balloting, president would love to uh, debate earlier. But, you know, you have Elizabeth Drew, the veteran journalist, writing the other day in the New York Times op-ed page that debates are, don't, you know, enlighten us at all. And then here's the tell. She says, uh, she goes on to slam Trump for ignorance and narcissism. So I think many of these people want to protect Biden because perhaps they are worried he won't do that well. People forget in the Democratic debates, uh, although he had some missteps and he he had some off nights. Joe Biden generally did do pretty well. And the Trump team is setting the bar so low by suggesting that, you know, he'll have trouble just getting up on the stage and being coherent. Are you worried? Now, there's a lot in that clip to break down. Personally, I think the reason why a lot of left wing media and Biden supporters are saying that Joe Biden should not do the should not do the base is not because they take a genuine issue with the idea, but instead to kind of create this low expectation. OK, to create a system where, oh, my God, Joe Biden's going to do so awful in the debates that the Democrats don't want him in. Then he goes in and he's not going to sweep the floor with Donald Trump. No offense to Joe Biden, but he's probably not going to sweep the floor. 
but compared to where we thought he was going, he will sweep the floor. Uh, this is the same thing that George W. Bush had going for him back in 2000. You know, everybody thought he couldn't form a coherent sentence, because he couldn't. Uh, but when he got on a debate stage with Al Gore, and Al Gore was kind of mean to him, it seemed like he was picking on a child. And, oh my god, George Bush put together three coherent sentences. Oh my god, guys. Uh... <laughs> Oh, man, this man is smarter than I thought. It's the kind of low expectations that would actually help the Biden campaign. Um, now, at least that's what I think is going on, and the Trump campaign is playing into that without even realizing it. And the reason they are doing that is because they think, oh my god, Joe Biden's going to be such an easy target. This is why. Um, by the way, Donald Trump was kind of not really attacking Biden specifically or Sanders throughout the primaries because he thought this would be easy. It's the same tactic, by the way, Hillary Clinton used in 2016. There were reports from inside that campaign that said that she wanted to run against Donald Trump as opposed to someone like Ted Cruz or Marco Rubio or John Kasich or Jeb Bush because they thought that he combined it both unlikability with stupidity and incoherence in such a way that she would sweep the floor with him. Uh, compare that to someone like Ted Cruz, who's just unlikable, or someone like Jeb Bush or John Kasich, who is, who is wrong a lot in the minds of a lot of Americans, but is much more likable than Hillary Clinton. That's the thing. Uh, Hillary Clinton's main ex main appeal was her intelligence, her experience. And as such, she thought that if she ran against someone with less experience, with less intelligence, she would win. Of course, she didn't. Uh, Ted Cruz was also doing this with Bernie Sanders, saying he respected Bernie Sanders because he thought if he got nomination, it would be easy to sweep the floor with him. Now, that failed. And that failed, in my opinion, mostly because the Clinton campaign set the standards for what Donald Trump could do so low, and I mean so absolutely low, that Donald Trump would have had to have gone up there, said a racial slur, and left early in order to meet those expectations. And this is something a lot of left-wing comedians do as well. They make this really low expectation of Donald Trump that basically portrays him as literally the dumbest man alive. And you could make that argument if you want. And as such, when he goes on there and says something even mildly coherent, oh man, guys, oh man, oh man, Donald Trump, he's smarter than the left-wing media gave him credit for. Of course he is. Of course he is. You would have to legitimately, I don't even mean you'd have to, there are people with honest-to-God Down syndrome that are smarter than the left-wing media gave Donald Trump credit for. And you have that man go on stage and debate Hillary Clinton regardless of how well he does. And Donald Trump did not do particularly good during the debates. I mean, he did okay. He had a couple good lines. 
but it was primarily repeating policy over and over again, repeating the same blanket statements over and over again, without actually making a point. And yeah, yeah, of course he's going to do better compared to this buffoon you've set him up to be. Sorry, it's true. And if the Trump campaign is going to do the same thing with Joe Biden, then automatically, far as I'm concerned, it is going to lose. It is going to lose. When Joe Biden goes up there and says a mildly coherent sentence about tax policy or about his experience being vice president or about his love of Israel, that would destroy two narratives at once. Then, yeah, the American voters are going to see, well, I don't trust this guy. I don't trust this guy who told me not only would Joe Biden skip out on these debates, but also that Joe Biden uh, couldn't say anything to save his life. That he's dumber than dumb. That he's stupider than stupid. That he's a dummy, a dweeb, and a doo-doo dunderhead. So that's my basic suggestion for the campaign. If you actually want to win, then you can either embrace this kind of, and I do think the Biden campaign is kind of learning about this and embracing it. I think some of Biden's gaffes were actually intentional. I really do. I think we were endowed by uh, the thing in the sky. That was one. Or getting the state he's in wrong. I think that's kind of intentional to build this narrative. I really do. I really do. The reason being, because, again, when Biden gets up on that debate stage and says anything even slightly interesting or slightly intelligible, what do you think is going to happen? The entire American public is going to realize Trump lied to them about this guy. And they aren't going to trust him anymore, and that is how Joe Biden could seriously win this. I do think, I do think a President Joe Biden, while not certain, is a possibility to occur on January 20th, 2021. Anyway, last thing for tonight real quick. Uh, this is from the New York Post. Oprah labeled a fraud for calling out white privilege since she's so rich. This is from, again, the New York Post. It's not. Sorry, it's just... Having a bad case of Ohio weather right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, Twitter critics have a billion dollar bone to pick with Oprah Winfrey. The 66-year-old media mongol has been labeled a hypocritical fraud following the latest installment of her Apple TV Plus series, The Oprah Conversation, featuring former NFL star and race activist. What the heck's a race activist? <laughs> You mean race and civil rights activist? I've never heard the term race activist before. <laughs> I'll admit, I'll admit. Uh, Emmanuel Ako. Ako, 29, has also hosts the web series Uncomfortable Conversation with a Black Man. Join Winfrey for a two-part episode, which included a segment inviting non-black viewers to ask difficult questions about racism and white privilege. Not all white people have power, said one guest. That's an important part, by the way. 
Uh, there's plenty of poor working class white people, but I think that when we group all of white people together and we don't recognize the fact that there's a lot of white people that struggle, and it's a different struggle, as you mentioned, because they're not streaming upstream, let's call it. They continue, I think that if we're going to come together and really attack racism and the inequalities that are in this country and are in this world, it's important to not group all white people. Um, okay, well, you know what? That's a decent statement. Winfrey responded, There are white people who are not as powerful as the system of white people, the casteism that's been put in place, but they still, no matter where they are, on the rung or ladder of success, they still have their whiteness. The veteran broadcaster also said white people have a leg up. You still have your whiteness. That's what the term white privilege is. It means that whiteness still gives you an advantage no matter. And then, you guys ready? Winfrey's current net worth stands at $2.6 billion, according to Forbes. Uh, so, so first off, you guys do know Oprah Winfrey wasn't born to a rich family. She was born to a maid. To, I think a teenage mother and a maid, whose highest hope was that she could also one day become a maid for some nice white guy. You guys do realize she wasn't, like, born super-duper extra rich. If she was, this argument may make some sense, but it really doesn't, like, at all. No, she got all that money through hosting a talk show. Most black people are not going to host talk shows. I, I hope you realize that. Most people in general don't host talk shows. How many talk shows do you guys honestly think there are? Well, if, if, there's, if there's white privilege in this country, why is a talk show host rich? Because she's a talk show host, idiot. And she was specifically hired, by the way, in my opinion, in a good part because she was African-American. And at the same time, a woman. And this was at a time when networks were trying to expand more, as well as just appeal to more groups of people. And she just happened to get really lucky. Essentially, she got lucky. White privilege destroyed. Now, look, I'm not getting into a debate about how much the concept of white privilege really matters. Um, because in large ways, you could argue that it doesn't matter very much in modern society. I would say in modern society, we are 99% of the way there. There's still that 1%, though, that, hey, we should probably discuss. You know, we should probably talk about maybe not treat it like it's the most important thing ever. But at the very least, discuss, hey, is this an issue? Should we fix it? No, but because one of the people talking about it is rich. Oh my gosh, you should have, this should have been handed to one of those daytime talk show hosts that live below the poverty line. Silly me. No, I'm sick of this knee-jerk response. I really am. I really am. And if that's your only contribution to discourse, then why are you even part of it? Just go away. Go find something you actually like talking about. These are the people who do not want to talk about politics or about these issues, but insist on talking about these issues. In that case, you can leave. I don't care what you think. 
Either be here because you want to be, or go away. I do not care which. Um, but, as for the overall claim being made, and again, I'm no expert on the topic of white privilege as a concept, I will say that I do think there is some evidence of the fact is, there is evidence of amounts of systematic racism. Those, by the way, are nowhere near as bad as the previous examples of racism, but they are still bad, and we maybe should still talk about correcting those. I don't know how we correct those. I'm not that smart, and a lot of the ways I've seen to correct those don't make much sense. Um, but at the same time, if you're just going to knee-jerk dismiss reactions as well, this rich person is on TV, as opposed to all those poor people I see on TV every day, then, yeah, no, you're, you're not helping. That's it. You're not helping. You just look stupid. You just look stupid. Anyway, that's all for tonight. I'm Ephraim, and good night.